Hi, I'm Ricardo Deacon. And I'm Orla McNeilis. And welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where one of us picks a movie the other hasn't seen, we watch the movie separately, and then we meet to discuss <laughs> Crucial. it. Crucial. And this week's film was picked by Orla. Twas. It is A Face in the Crowd from 1957. It is directed by Elia Kazan, produced by Elia Kazan, screenplay by Bud Schulberg based on his novel your kansas traveler it's a short story short sorry based on the short story and <laughs> uh, music by tom glazer cinematography by gain rusher and harry strangling senior mm. and edited by gene milford starring andy griffith patricia neal anthony franciosa walter matau and lee remick the movie synopsis is ambitious young radio producer Marsha Jeffries finds a charming rogue named Larry Lonesome Rhodes in an Arkansas drunk tank and puts him on the air. Soon, Rhodes' local popularity gets him an appearance on television in Memphis, which he parlays into national network stardom that he uses to endorse a presidential candidate for personal gain. But increasingly petulant star's ego, arrogance and womanizing threaten his rise to the top. I always like when they use the word parlay. Parlay. <laughs> this week's film was picked by Orla, so I'm going to, as per usual, ask her why she picked the movie, but I have some kind of idea why she picked it. So, oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I doubt I'll be wrong on that account Interesting. There. What could have been my reason? Uh, besides um, uh, the orange orangutan in the room, uh, <laughs> why did you pick the movie? Uh, yes, obviously... Uh, you know, there are certain relevant themes and characters within this film. But um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this film um, recently, shockingly enough, and also in relation to network um, for very, very obvious reasons, both of them. But um, I kind of thought that this would be a fun kind of a rewatch, um, just as a sort of a like kind of like over the top piece with like you know relevant still quite relevant and prescient themes and what was actually kind of funny was that this thought re-watching this now kind of really depressed me it was like <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking of your statement there of a fun rewatch. um yeah I kind of I I because when I first watched this I guess I had that pre November 20 or well even pre 2016 in general sort of outlook on it um but I do still think because I rewatched Network recently enough and I think that it's there's an interesting kind of idea of a film being prescient but still maybe not necessarily it being a good movie at the same time yeah and that they are two kind of separate things and uh what I think is interesting about this is that it holds up for me more than Network does. And I think it's almost more interesting for the fact that this is 1957. And I think that there are two sort of interesting things going on, as well as the idea of like, you know, demagoguery and this, you know, very colorful character and that, you know, the ties to our modern world or whatever. But um, I think what like two of the things that are going on are kind of like a, the discovery of that demagogue like of Marsha's character which we can get into later um and then also is like kind of the relationship with the media and the presidency and um politics in general and how like I think it's interesting that 
this only by a couple of years precedes Nixon's downfall by television in the uh, him versus Kennedy. And uh, yeah, so I think the it's... The sweaty bottom lip. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Top lip, actually. It was, yeah. It'd be a lot <laughs> but, weirder uh, if it was a sweaty bottom lip. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think there are interesting ideas of like um, sincerity um, regarding like several of the characters, not just um, the main like, of the character of Lonesome. So yeah, I, I thought... Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm interested to see how you took this film and I thought that like this had very obvious reasons to be a pick but I think that there are other interesting things to talk about so that's why I picked it so Ricardo what did you think well as usual I kind of preface when you find a blind spot in my kind oh, of oh I forgot yeah. about that as well is that like I I had said this because I saw where did someone talk was, uh, this film I actually noticed whenever I looked it up then that a lot of people wrote a lot of articles about this whenever Trump came like the whole Trump thing uh, rose to prominence saying like oh it's you know it was like totally prescient but I, I think only mentioning Trump kind of undersells this movie slightly but um uh, I so I saw it, it kind of came back into my head, and I was like, oh. And then I had mentioned it completely on a whim because I ne- I never thought that you wouldn't have seen it. But then, uh, and I I asked Ricardo, and he was like, oh, it's the only Kazan movie I haven't seen. And I was like, yes. <laughs> well, like uh, he's made uh, an awful lot of movies, like from the thirties. I haven't seen that much of his earlier work. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, like his big hits. Like they're they're his big hits for a reason. Uh, yeah, like yeah. Streetcar Named Desire on the Waterfront, East of Eden, and America America, which is one of my personal favorites. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Actually. It's amazing. Uh, like I was introduced by uh, like fairly late to him. Like uh, I think uh, well, like obviously like on the Waterfront was something that I had seen because I was a yeah. film student. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the the rest of his work was more like I saw a clip from America America in um, the Martin Scorsese documentary uh, oh, Journey to the Cinema oh okay I thought you meant his documentary about Kazan because he has no I haven't seen I didn't yeah, even know curious. that existed I'm kind of curious uh, like I need to watch that now yeah <laughs> that'd very, be a good very recommendation obviously uh, Kazan is a very interesting character but um, like so I'm a huge fan of his work and I cannot help to be slightly disappointed by this movie okay uh, I liked it, but I think that it's not only uh, for his style. It's more that, like, uh, even with the like widescreen cinema, when uh, the way that sh- he shot East of Eden and stuff, he, or America, America, or even his last movie, which isn't great, mm. that is the Last Tycoon with Robert De Niro. But like, he was very good at portraying stories visually. Yeah, and this movie for some reason it's very workman like the cinematography I felt I would agree with that yeah. and it doesn't have the panache that his other work has mm. and I think that visual panache yeah visual panache but also like the, the fact that he's able to tell even using like Tennessee Williams in on a streetcar named Desire mm. that he adds to the material visually yeah or he's able to inflect different meaning like just a sexuality in that is not only in the text is also visual mm. and uh, that this movie would have gained by it and perhaps like the script would have been able to be a, a slightly more reserved if he was able to push that barrier that way mm. um, like I, I did 
watch it thinking about network i think that is a connection that is impossible to to not have and obviously this game like about two decades before it so you can't fault it because of network but it falls into the same issues that network did Mm. and it's a lot of um it's hard to escape uh movies that are like rise and fall kind of movies that the first act is always the most interesting yeah, act. Yeah. Like I would have watched an entire movie that the the lonesome ends in Memphis and you have an inclination where he's gonna go, like yeah. meeting a politician and stuff. And making it even a slower wise would have been even like more impactful, I think, uh, because you don't really know uh the character before the turn to the dark side, let's say. Um <laughs> Yeah, like that you can't really judge him. You don't know if he's saying it because it's like people like what he says. Yeah. For example, what he says about women and it's like this feminist statement that he makes about like guys don't give a shit about them and yeah, the cleaning and yeah, yeah, and you see left 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 hand, you know. Yeah, you see as well like quite funny in that scene that you see the the husbands (laughs) kind of putting their hats on it's like i gotta leave before uh, i get into shit i'm a housewife kind of being like no one's ever said this before especially a man it's like yeah the but you don't know if he's saying that because he knows that they want to hear that yeah or if he truly means it i don't know though i kind of took it that because that's quite early on that's back whenever he's is that when he's actually gone to memphis yeah it's, it, no that's the the the, the first time yeah that he's on i the think radio. that like when he's originally on the radio that i think it, like i think from the get-go you know that this guy is out for himself yeah. and you know that the taste for power is all it becomes very early too much for him and he you know yeah. will do anything to get it but i think initially his like folksy you know salt of the earth nature is genuine and that he is in a lot of ways coached by marcy never you know like or marcia rather marcy <laughs> me marlene um by marcia as much as the other people around him to monopolize his own homegrown charms you know i think that he learns to and then like you know becomes a complete monster towards the end but like the middle section where he's really starting to use his own like you know um kind of well of like phrases and outlooks and everything to like to gain power because the power starts overwhelming everything of his own you know like that i don't know i think that like originally when she finds him that it is this is just the guy he is just a drunk yeah. yeah but that and a lot of the time you know like he has clearly coasted on his charm to some you know to a certain extent in his life already that you know he's kind of and even like his guitar alludes to woody guthrie like that has like a message that's similar to this guitar kills fascists kind of thing that woody guthrie used to have but like even i think it's short selling as you're saying uh of mentioning trump because uh, not mentioning obviously uh, it is prescient in a way yeah. But it's more, I think, about the 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 misuse of television as a format. I think it's yeah. impression to Fox News, not Trump per se. Yeah. Well, that the thing is, like, 
there are obviously there are elements of this that and like particular quotes as well that are quite and even just like like whenever he drags her back when she originally leaves him and goes to the studio like at the very very end not the very end but like near the end and uh, he's talking about he he basically is like paraphrasing what Trump said when he's like, I could walk down Fifth Avenue shoot somebody and people would still vote for me where he's like you know I could do anything you know like there there are a lot of elements of that where you're like ah Trump hey 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 but. I think that you're right that it is the that and this is quite an early because you think about it like I mean realistically this is 1957 this is like films complaining about the evils of television especially like say network obviously it's not just the evils of television but the evils of network television and how that came to prominence in the 70s and 80s. Um, this this is more prescient in a way because it's so early at the very yeah. very early days of television. Yeah, like network and is that, just that criticizing very, something that it's already there. Yeah, and this is like there are so many like talking points or or like very like very direct clear quotes that you take out of this, and you're like, yep, this is and obviously like this is not like um, they're already like the you know, like like cinema or like any other media or medium. Um, capitalism very very rapidly discovers it and sees how it can be used to sell its sell, own. sell sell yeah exactly well so, like uh, kill me the, the way that he does the ads it reminded me of pod save ads. america oh my god i love the ads so much like he's doing the ads it reminded me <laughs> yeah. of like john lovett just well, like it. going like, off script or... you know that like uh blue apron are not like complaining to pod yeah. save america like i mean jesus christ they've literally got their slogan into every ad now like it's hilarious but um Going back to that, that you're saying how prescient in some lines go in, I think that part of the fault of the movie, well, it's not fault of the movie itself. It's a fault of watching that movie in the current environment. Yeah. Is that they throw so much at the wall that what sticks is like, oh, yeah, Trump, I, I, I. Yeah. But then there's an awful lot that doesn't like, land quite well for me. Yeah. And I think it's... Like, for me, the only, there's only, like, a couple movies that do the rise and fall and try to do that kind of, um, whatchamacallit, uh, almost Shakespearean tragedy feel of, like... Yeah, uh, with the kind of melodrama that this movie kind of uh, yeah, like, devolves into at the end. Like, Citizen Kane, perhaps, is one that is about, like, a, but yeah. obviously it, it lives and dies by its structure. This is a lot, yeah. like, more straightforward, but... Even in certain camera angles and lighting choices, it calls back to Citizen Kane yeah. quite on purpose, I believe. Especially because it's the 50s. Like, they could yeah, have shot that not, in color as well. Yeah, like, this it's is not, not far away from Citizen Kane. Like. Yeah, well, like, it's about 10, 15, well, 12 years or something. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's... It's uh, so about 1945, Citizen Kane? Be 42, I think. Because it would be the beginning of the war. Oh, yeah, you're right, okay. But... Well, <laughs> my day to this <laughs> this podcast haven't been like exactly correct. No. <laughs> but then again, neither Lonesome Rose or Ricardo are <laughs> had the gal to run for president. The gal, but the gal, the gal, the ex president of France. Uh, but the other movie besides Citizen Kane that does that quite well is Scarface. Ah, but yeah. I think that Scarface works because he goes from being uh, like it shows that the power all it gave him was power to do shitty things because he was already a shitty character to begin with. Yeah. So that made it interesting and different. And this one, it's kind of like 
uh, not that it was an unpleasant journey, but it was a journey that at no point it surprised me. Yeah. And the characters didn't surprise me. The 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 only character that was like really interesting was uh, Walter Matthau. Yeah. And number one, it's because I absolutely fucking love Walter Matha. I'm just like, marry him. He's great. Oh, that scene. And like, also because he looks like early seasons Madman Harry Crane. He does. He also looks so much like Nixon. It's kind of frightening. But um, no, I, I absolutely. I up, He has some of the best lines in the movie as well. And like, they're the little small kind of, not throwaway lines, but like, you know, there's an awful lot of subtext to what he's saying. And, like, he has what is one of the, like, most interesting things, as someone has said in a film, I think, about, like, the whole idea of the nice guy. And, like, what it takes. I was like, because it's part of that scene as well that uh, I really like whenever she uh, goes into, like, the writer's room and he's there and, like, they have that yeah. little exchange. And, like, because she, like, I think she's fabulous. He's fabulous. But they have a lot of chemistry as well. Yeah. Like, screen chemistry and everything. But, um... Or uh, I can't remember what he says, but she's like, oh, for a mild man, you're very vicious or you're sounding vicious. And he's like, didn't you know all mild men are vicious? They hate themselves for being mild and they hate the extroverts whose violence seems to have a strange attraction for nice girls who should know better. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're talking about Marsha. But it's such a like... like he still gets friends off. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> but it's so funny. Cause it's just like knocking like both himself, her and the idea of like, you know masculinity and the whole thing of like the nice guy and the per nice guy you know like just thought like he he i think in like their often brief exchanges um he is much more interesting not just because i love him but um i think this movie would be a lot weaker without him oh yeah most definitely even yeah. when he returns from uh judging the fucking cheerleading contact <laughs> And he's married to the seventeen-year-old girl. There. Yeah. The Walter Matthau goes in and he's really nice about it, but at the same time going like "I told you so" kind of thing. That he's yeah. not like going back to that line of being vicious and stuff. Or even like a one moment uh, when she says that she's gonna marry Lonesome. Oh, what did he say? I wrote down the quote because it's fucking great. He's like. Um... I think I'll just be a cad and hopefully chokes on a Vitajack spell. <laughs> yeah, because says I could be nice and say... I hope you... Yeah. Have a lovely wedding or whatever and then... But I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think it's that, like... Also, in a way... It's the nature of the time of the, the, the movie. I don't think that the, the movie would have been made without the producer also being a woman, not having a, some sort of love interest in in yeah. in itself i thought that we, it would have been more interesting perhaps if her relationship with with walter yeah, Mata was platonic not quite yeah no that, that that relationship could have been romantic yeah oh but like but her relationship with lonesome would have been like a little bit more professional in a way that because even when she becomes like kind of like uh uh that he offers her to be uh that he's gonna pay her off, but it's because she owns so much of the the company, the Lonesome Roads company. Yeah. That I think there would have been like this power play inside that already exists, but it gets undermined by the the whole love thing and like even her uh, reaction in the end to put the audio up and like out him 
as the real lonesome roads to the to the audience as he slugs them off and says that yeah. they're rats or whatever there would have been something that is born out of principle and even at the end when she's saying goodbye to him it kind of like she was still like it it, does, she's yeah, pretty much think. like walked through by Walter Matthaus like stand here say that yeah yeah I don't come agree out yeah, there's a lot of thing. reasons I don't entirely like that ending scene but um um yeah I kind of know what you mean but at the same time I think that if her sort of misguided attraction to him that like she's sucked in by him because of his charm but also because she loves him I think that if that wasn't there because Marsha is Marley May (laughs) Marsha is sincere to a certain extent but also you know she's she's cutthroat they not like you know her whole show is um i think this is like one of the interesting things actually about um the character of marcia is it kind of made me think of um this american life yeah. like the whole um a face in the crowd thing of like this sort of like like sincere kind of educated middle class kind of condescending look but that in the end this american life is kind of yeah, I mean, it's like sharing stories that are obviously interesting and should be shared. But when you think about what the reporters have to do to get those stories, yeah, like when you think about, I think we've had this discussion about, say, like, um, uh, shit town, yeah, and and how it starts to become morally quite concerning. So, like, I think that, yeah, but it, it is done Mar- to a level in here that it's that kind of a small town politics kind of level that she is cutthroat but not i don't think that she is until she discovers him yeah is that i don't think that she realizes even the power of radio at that no stage. no definitely i think that's that's kind of getting to why i think that she's interesting and why the love thing is almost necessary to keep her like uh, like standing back and facilitating the his rise to prominence because i think otherwise she is a moral character in a lot of ways especially in this film in relation to the other characters such a cynical move yeah like i think that she she was only and you really see it and like i think her performance is really great because like that scene whenever he comes back after he throws out his new wife and like the horror on her face is worth even more than what he's saying because it is like yeah. you know but it wouldn't she would never have never have taken to get to that point of like he is a complete monster she would never have stayed i think if she didn't but i have think the... it's that the character is quite inconsistent throughout the movie even within her performance which yeah. moment by moment is fantastic and flawless yeah but as a character that has a logic uh, as a character is that a moment she's like really strong and then the next moment, but even against him kind of thing, you know, that some moments you realize like when he becomes womanizing and such, mm. it's like, OK, uh, you get the 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 gist that she sees the horror in him. But because she's presented in the beginning as somebody that a certain reason and understanding of the mediums as well and how to progress within that rather quickly you know like uh mm. the, well, even just that she's able to walk in and see immediately his yeah. potential 
You know and what I mean? Like, like bringing, she ha- yeah, and, and also like getting Memphis involved. Yeah, and, like, to start, it, yeah, to start his career because he wouldn't. You know, obviously, someone like that requires someone like her. Yeah, and that's what I was saying about like the, the, the discovery the thing, of the once their their relationship gets consumed in the hotel room, and I think it's a really good scene that he's gonna say goodbye and she forced yeah, him I to stay. Yeah, I kind of love the, sh- the how that's shot as well, like and down the corridor. He leaves the suitcase outside and that's how Walter Matthau realizes yeah. that he is inside and then like the <laughs> the other guy shows up from to say that uh, they he's his agent now because he got like <laughs> yeah. the, the, the new York crowd in also I think that for a movie that kicks the shit basically at the Republican Party because it, <laughs> and it's funny how like the policies that the, the senator they, are trying they, to peddle are they? exactly the same as they are <laughs> trying like, to peddle I now lo- I love that like Marcia has one great like throwaway line and and like a fucking scene of great lines and she's like don't they call him the last of the great isolationists yeah. <laughs> you're like this is 1957 ah uh, like oh that remind me of uh, the plot against america quite a lot so yeah. <laughs> um, but, um like uh but even how they lose control of him uh yeah. they 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 won't rein him in it reminds me what um somebody said about slavery before the american civil war yeah that it was like it's like holding a wolf by the ears you don't like it but you don't dare letting go (laughs) and i think it's like but like in a political movement i think it's Uh, the same that happened with trump kind of thing yeah that it's like with like Marco fucking spineless Rubio kind yeah, of yeah, like but even like when you go man. back, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like even whenever you go back to um the campaign or whatever, and like people using Trump kind of in the way of how like Steve Bannon and all his goons, and yeah, how... but like they like it. I mean, like the the actual yeah, know, establishment, but, yeah, like the actual establishment. I know what you mean, but like you really see it. I think even in um that scene with Vitajex or whatever the company's called and how they're all sitting there so uncomfortable with him because he's like, this is such a corporate professional environment and he's just like, yeah, I don't care. You know, I'm outside of this. I'm the real, I'm speaking for the real man. Like the most like on the nose populism. But um, like you see it where they're horrified, but at the same time, their little capitalist brains just going yeah. nope we can this is especially oh, it killed me and that like scene some of they're... the purest most brilliant copy just coming out of this man's mouth like make them yellow like sunshine <laughs> like oh man it killed me when they had the the, the actual factoids about like the science guy <laughs> telling them <laughs> what's in the, these pills wait then it cuts like to somebody going like <laughs> i bought like the t- no, Maybe the... think so much of Mad Men in that scene as well. Just like the, just well because in that moment he is Don Draper. Yeah. Like you know that he is the he is he's the, like he's the, the folksy Don Draper. Yeah, well he's like the wild card. You know what yeah. I mean? Not that he's like the Don Draper's folksy, but that he manages to just step outside everything and like you know show you something that seems pure, but in reality is just like as vapid as everything else. You know, it's the carousel. It's the their moments. When he's going to Memphis, or even when he's in Memphis, outside the TV screens. Yeah. That he's, oh, I can't read, etc., etc. You know, that it's like, that's not who I am. Yeah. And because so much of this movie is dedicated to tell you the same thing over and over, that this guy is a decade that he's getting little by little more power. Yeah. But without showing you actually him getting power, just being told that like even the when 
the general is it the general that they call him the the guy that is like I I think could be based by on Kennedy Senior the uh, the Kennedy's father the, the rich guy that pretty it, much controls. Do they call him the general? I can't remember. But yeah, I, mean, you know, I, the, yeah I know who you mean though. That way it goes like oh the senator are gonna be is gonna be here now so you can sit for dinner with him. Yeah. And you don't show him interacting with the senator until the cinema screening, but that's just to suddenly to show mm. Lonesome as this like great media under like influencer as the, <laughs> the because in the beginning that's why I meant of not knowing the character yeah. because he's playing everybody it seems to me because he goes yeah, to somebody going like I'm nervous and then he goes in and controls the room but doesn't seem to be like somebody that does that at survival and instinct. It's more that he's like just measuring himself again. He's that kind of, um, uh, what you call it, that they used to say about like vagrant painters or whatever. They would yeah. go from town to town in America that is like, yeah, don't pick up anything that you drop because you wake up the next day without a wallet. Kind of like yeah. d- during the, the recession as well. Which is like the Great Depression, which is weird as well because the movie at times feels like it was set during the same time as it happened one night. <laughs> In and certain then, regards, yeah. yeah. And then, like, even because, him- well, because so much of like the initial like start of it, and as well, even throughout with like the cutbacks to like the audience members and everything, and how like it's there it's so much of it is in the south and in very rural areas and like this sort of implication being that that's where his audience is that like he's getting so many minion viewers or whatever but like so many of them are coming like you know rust belt or whatever you know like these kind of rural areas so i think that's part of why because it made me think of um it happened one night as well not just in kind of like a lot of the very quick fire banter but like um a lot more cynical the camp well no <laughs> That wouldn't be hard, but yeah, this is a very cynical movie. Which is weird for I like because even like his movies are always uh show downbeat characters and yeah. characters in uh complete turmoil and usually they don't get what they want. Mm. Uh but there's a certain goodness to them that makes it a, a tragedy. Like yeah. in his other work. Like Brando in on the water from the I could have been a contender. You yeah. can see that it's like that person uh, that age that he's nobody. Yeah. But like he could have been somebody. He Actually, he that, says that yeah, he, he had, had that it potential. in him. It had it in him that it was either luck or that he just didn't push himself far enough to get there. You know. Yeah. And with this is like even Walter Matthau is completely reprehensible because he goes to like take him down, but. To make a profit out of it as well. Yeah, well, it's all for the book. You know, it's like the fact that... Yeah, well, I think that obviously the only real moral center of this is uh, Marsha. No, because she is also involved in the... Yeah, but... It's like saying that Melania Trump is not complicit on what what he's doing. I don't think that... Yeah, (laughs) hashtag free Melania. (laughs) Yeah, but what I mean is that if if you're there... And you and she has more power than let's yeah. say Melania or even like yeah. a normal. But the thing first is, like in the end, in the end, Marsha and you know that it's always going to happen at some point that Marsha will walk away and she will walk away 
possibly be, yeah, losing everything yeah but, but she will... walks away because of love not because of the morality of it she does it as revenge because he comes in and like he yeah. has that speech that, that you alluded to that like it's similar to the Trump speech that it's like i could shoot somebody and they'll still yeah, come back yeah. to me but it's also the subtext that he can do the same to her there that he yeah. can do anything and she will have him back and she it then leaves him there to like sleep yeah. off the drink and i think that because when she reveals his real self to the people yeah it's because like of anger because of what he does personally not i think it, it's, the only character I think it's that both is both things though i think that's why marsh is interesting because like everything is mingled and and like she is you can see her like self-delusion you know like like i feel that she is cynical but much less cynical than she could be in that situation yeah like Like, she she feels more this is why i think the comparison between her and faye dunaway is kind of interesting because like i think this is a much more interesting nuanced portrayal of a female in that kind of role of like where she's a woman but she's like a radio producer she's okay a, network she's a very, i was like i think oh, sorry. Chinatown for sorry, a second. No. <laughs> sorry network yeah this um, is chinatown <laughs> um you know she's a woman that has power but it, she's not i think this film does her character more service than saying something like where faye dunaway is like just this sort of raving bitch kind of character where, yeah and like at face it seems like she's so strong and powerful but the film doesn't really think she is it's like you know i think that she's like this is a much more interesting character oh yeah like uh but that's not saying much but, <laughs> uh, like and again network i think it was sydney lumet isn't it yeah yeah the another director that i really like and um, that's one of his minor works but even though it's like really well regarded, but it is, and it only seems to get more well regarded as time goes on. It's... Well, like after the the scene, and that, that's the thing that this movie has over Network is that yeah. Network, when once he loses the plot, which is fairly early on, it's about yeah. twenty minutes in. That once he has that rant, the rest of the movie is just it, it jumps the shark about twenty times. Yeah. Like it's quite long. Yeah, it's way longer than I ever remembered it. I was like, Jesus, this is just kind of knocking. Yeah, like I. But in this case, uh, like uh, it it retains interest. It has the advantage of changing locations as well, and like changing environments and everything, ramping everything up, but within different. And then also like having the whole political aspect of it, which is more is like not like amazingly handled, but. It, what it's saying I think is interesting about yeah. it. like so whereas network is a lot more focused on its skewering and not necessarily yeah, that, as interesting that this movie like that's the thing that is like the difference between that I don't think that it really retaliate it doesn't like square the circle with Trump yeah because the idea of this movie is that if you portray you have a good portrayal of yourself yeah you can sell anybody anything yeah and i think that trump didn't did the opposite that like especially as a politician because they still it's not that he has to have the personality of lonesome roads is that yeah. like if the movie was about lonesome roads running for president yeah then i'm like okay trump but because this is like the idea of like still talking down to the little guy yeah 
but it's kind of talking down in like that nice relatable kind of folksy way yeah rather than like beat the the worst of society yourself as yeah. well kind of well thing. there's a lot less of him using like fear and i mean like there are elements of him like make it like certain sort of like well um, i see i think the trump comparisons here are that the kind of like the beating of the elites and the beating of like the establishment and the like establishment politics and everything like that's whereas there's there's very little of him using kind of like he's using the dissatisfaction of the people against them but not necessarily their fears which is where everything becomes a lot darker in relation to trump and like using immigration and everything like totally to his own advantage but um, I think it's interesting of like the character of this, um, and also like I think we haven't got to this yet. But the uh, the performance by Griffiths is something quite interesting, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and completely unexpected. Uh, obviously, this is like early in his career, but um. I think it's um, his debut. Yeah, possibly. I don't. Well, yeah, it must have been because this is he's not that old. Um, but uh, yeah, like and this really wouldn't have worked, I think, if he wasn't able to, because even from the very first scene, he's charming. Yeah, you know, and like you understand why not only the general public and people around him, but especially why Marcia ends up drawn into him because he yeah. does have that something kind of. And you know what it actually made me think of the X Factor. Uh, no, it made me think of OJ, and like I remember there was an interview with um your man who made OJ Bait in America, and how he was talking to um your man who was OJ's manager. And uh, he was like, oh, you know, I never, your man, he made him never, he got, never got to meet OJ, obviously, because OJ's in prison or whatever, and like, won't take interviews. But um, his manager was like, you'd like him. It's like, you'd like him. And it's like, it's that, that scene, like, where, um, okay, I haven't seen this, and I don't want to spoil it, but um, like, how someone like that, even when like, you feel like they are represent, reprehensible, that when someone has just something, they can just like draw people in against you know like against their better judgment against everything. Yeah, it reminded like, me of uh, Suicide Squad. The 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 line of uh, my Squad. my I'm good at uh, making people act against their own self interest. Yeah, the only good line in Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Like, and it's. I mean, that's kind of comparable to Trump in a certain way because, like, it's interesting when you hear people talk about Trump and you think, like, when you kind of see him and you're like, like this man is a... is a, He's a, he's a fool. He's, he's awful. He's he's not attractive. He's not... Like, why is it that people... Like, that... But the people saying kind of, like, candidly about how, like, there is something kind of... You know, like, Trump is funny. He has, like, it's just a certain way of talking that you can't look away from him. You know what I mean? And not just that he is a complete character. Oh, I can. I, I just vomit. Well, well, yeah, but like there's just something like... Well, like it's the... the, the like I not, did, not quite in the same way. Like, I think that they are... They're not directly comparable. I did but there read is a, something... I did read a few of the, the articles comparing this to that because straight away I just wanted... Like as soon as I saw it, it's like I just want to see... How many people jumped on the bandwagon <laughs> oh, yeah. to, to This film has it. got a real resurgence because of Trump. But I think that the the biggest difference, and I think that it's kind of misjudged to to compare it as much as people have, as in like, oh, we should have learned from Kazan and all these things. Yeah, is that for one, Trump had what forty years of whatever ill-gotten gains he made from it or how much loans from his rich daddy he had mm. he was an established figure for 
decade yeah. on the American presence of like a TV star already kind yeah. of thing. But the biggest difference, and I think that it short sells this movie, and I think it's a mistake by this movie, is not going into fascism because it yeah. goes into a lot of fa- fascistic imagery at the end. Yeah. That it looks like fucking like triumph of the will and yeah. like the, the Just applause like the low, machines and the low yeah. shots of him and everything and, and i think the yeah i feel like it's it, this is like, more it, it feels more that like they're real kind of um po- it's like against kind of like capitalism in the media and like that's you know like rather than the true danger of like in the kind of like the fascist idea like they don't go completely as far yeah with especially the fact that he gets taken down by just, like bringing uh, up the volume you know it's, it's like such a a, a cop on ending the kind of you well, even not like, really like i think it's interesting that at the time people looked at this and thought like none of this could happen so like i think that if you'd made this movie at the time and like had it with a, a much more open ending where well like i don't mean like having an open ending no it's no it's just but that like, it just like ha- the the whole movie in a way as so it's as subtle as it can be considering <laughs> how how much they're throwing at oh, the screen yeah, yeah. as in like in execution is like you can tell that like even though i complain about uh his the the lack of his usual panache on the visual yeah, side yeah i would of agree things. with that like there's there's only like one or two shots in this that yeah like at the end is like visually a, the, memorable the like and i think one of them is actually that scene in the corridor like it's yeah. really nicely actually like the rest of the movie is quite subtle for what it is like not mm. the it is subtle but it's that the characters are big the movies but but the ending even the scripting it becomes kind of like slot a to whole b kind of thing that is like oh we need to get a way of taking him down yeah so it's just like okay we do this yeah and it's just like it's a writer's room decision kind of thing and even the scene when they go to uh the the penthouse and they find him there with Beanie who I, who I love who is by the way the only non-cynical character in the entire movie that is, is true Beanie, actually I forgot because he him. genuinely thinks that he is the good guy there you know like yeah. sickened by his friend just yeah, like yeah. Doing but uh, like he's like with the, <laughs> with up, the applause machine kind so of thing so fucked up and it's like I found that quite cool and the visuals at that moment but then well, that set is great yeah but then yeah. fucking not only Mathal has to like force uh, yeah and a nice little neat explanation at the end yeah, and then he goes and the Although, whole what, what explains the whole movie yeah literally <laughs> it's like okay I've been watching this for what two hours I get it it's okay you don't have to like yeah. literally fucking you don't have to cycle it Going just before I forget, going back to the uh, the visual style, and one of my like I think is one of the more visually interesting sequences is um, when they go to the baton twirling contest or whatever the fuck that thing is, <laughs> like like that whole like that kind of gave me the like the weird sort of like f- you know when you're saying about fascistic imagery and how they're spelling it out and he's on a stage and like you know that kind of creepy but like wrapped up in the weird like wholesome like sickeningly wholesome american an ideal like 50s of like like but it's so creepy on the other level that these are young girls and actually that really made me think of um going back to trump because why not um really made me think I of think um, that we're really like n- never gonna top 
the amount of Trump references in another episode. You say that, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably not. But uh, yeah, three years. It ago. made me because when they're all there and they're like spelling out his initials and everything, and it's like they're all you know like that hyper you know like Miss America kind of like smiling like your face is gonna break. It made me think of um. Do you remember that those what were they like the the Freedom Kids or something like those young girls that like did that performance? Oh my god! For Trump and it's like you know like America Freedom, you like that whole thing. Oh it made god. me think of that, and I was like, and he, where he's like watching it. And, oh my god! I was like, Jesus! Fucking the kids from the village of the down. Oh god! Like, like and so sincere, and you can nearly see like. Their, their parents off screen like doing this you know like don't forget to smile like oh my god just horrifying but going back to the fascistic thing the, yeah. the other issue that I kind of sort of had an issue with yeah and I didn't I'm not misspeaking there's like I kind of sort of have an issue there <laughs> is that it feels like a filmmaker it's like Tarantino uh, shitting on digital is that Kazan hated television because of what it meant? Yeah, we actually need to talk. About, I have a question for you. Though. And I think that it's just him, like part of it, him just going like cinema is the pure medium and TV yeah. is this big poop. Yeah. Because it's not even the politician who's the fascist. Yeah. It's, it's the TV the... personality. And that undersells the whole concept of the movie of like, if someone that is truly evil comes to like control TV. Yeah. Or be able to like have people eating out of his hands kind of thing if somebody like imagine like hitler with tv basically it's yeah. what the movie is trying to do i don't know if that's and, completely what the movie is trying to do well, like, like i feel like like obviously television is very much demonized in this and then, like in the way that it is in fucking network as well or like men <laughs> iron sorkin belittling the internet you know it keeps happening where it's like these old fogies like luddites or whatever but like, I think as well as like the implication in this is that like the audience are as fickle. I mean, it's kind of lame how they just drop him for that one stupid reason. But in the end, it's like they made him and they draw him down. And that, at the end, like the yeah, people but, like, are the... Uh, even how he like radio in the beginning is like still novo and all this shit. And then it's like when yeah, TV, yeah, yeah, you yeah. go... I do like though that you, the movie is kind of this character, but you don't have like one character that is there constantly going like well you know back in my day in the yeah. days of radio when everything was pure and you just you know, have it in the background yeah, very the background, subtle kind you of don't thing. have someone hammering at home which yeah. i'm very grateful for because i think that would be um oh jesus somebody that there would be like one too many yeah, things there. you know like fucking just like will from newsroom just like complaining about having like a fucking like a twitter scroll you know uh on that note uh actually was, one last yeah. question uh, when did you watch this the first time like i'm just trying to uh i think figure I out why on... did you think that would be an enjoyable rewatch 2008 it was like hope <laughs> probably around that time actually probably around the time that i really started watching old movies you know what okay. i mean how like whenever i was in secondary school there were like old movies that i watched but you know it was more kind of like because they were movies that like my dad liked or that were in the house or whatever whereas then whenever i kind of went to college and it was like ah yes you know all these modern filmmakers that you love these are all the filmmakers that inspired them you know so it probably was around that time because i don't i can't remember because i have a really vivid memory of when i watched network 
Yeah. And like at the time I was just bowled over by it and thought it was so great, you know, and that the same with this where I was like, oh, it's so clever. Television is bad. You know, when you're like 17 and like everything seems so profound. I've seen the light. You know, it's like, ooh. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't, well, it's not that I thought that it would be like, fun because obviously like we've had those experiences already where even movies that aren't as pointed as this where you're a bit like "Ah," you know even things that are completely not connected to politics you still getting like little you know and then like control you like say something like dog tooth we somehow got it in there but like um i don't know i just kind of i mean in my mind i thought that even though i think this movie is very funny that i thought that it was funnier and that yeah i don't know I, i i was just I was I was in a dream. And, uh, I was th- thinking about impeachment, and I got drunk on happiness, and and then you just watch this, and then like the sick, sad snowflake I am. Uh, <laughs> but on this, like, uh, something that we didn't touch upon that much. Yeah. Uh, but I would just say this: uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Andy Griffith's performance in this. Oh really? Like, I you said you liked him. Like I liked him, but considering the. Like, that's what I said, that Walter Matthau is a better, prof- like, it, he's the best thing in the movie. He's the only person that, like, truly yeah. creates, like, a three-dimensional character in it. Yeah, well, and, I wouldn't agree with that with Marsha, but... Well, like, is that, I don't think that she's consistent. Like I said, what yeah. is there, like, scene by scene is yeah, great. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 I know what you mean, yeah. But with him, <laughs> it's the a moment is just, like... You know uh, what you say about the charm in the beginning? I think part As of the, it is... The more um, shouty he becomes, the yeah, less like... He starts, to, we... he starts to lose it. I think though as well, um, he's benefiting, that we're talking about like people benefiting from certain things. He's benefiting from the fact that we think of him as like Matlock. So when you watch this movie, you're like, Jesus, this is amazing. He managed to do this. You know, it's almost like he gets caught. Like, I think, it, I, I think it's great, but I think it devolves around the same point that the movie devolves yeah that it just because it's like because he does there's just i think what he works as well is like that it's the little there's like there's like two little glints in his eye there's like the glint of the like you know uh you know the charm of the like you know i'm just a southern boy i'm just from arkansas you know like uh, i'm here with my guitar he's got that glint but then like on just the little switch of like the hunger behind his eyes yeah and he manages to pull that off i think and like to be able to have that kind of like megalomania but at the same time have just be able to bring it back down to like you know folksy yeah uh, but like even the tv show when he gets really shouty until he goes into the the actual when he has the 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 weird chat show that they're just sitting around the bar (laughs) like spitting and stuff yeah like like that show i get i could totally imagine like the imagine that happening yeah like, the yeah. the 50s but the previous show that he has yeah before what was the name uh Ro- lonesome roads uh when he's in memphis no when or... he's when he's already in new york but he has the the chat show is a different title it's like chewing oh, fat or something. Yeah, it's something along those lines. Yeah, chewing fat with lonesome Lonesome Yeah. Playing It's the Robert Duvall connection <laughs> with Network. Uh, but like the other show that he has that is like the music show with the acts and all that. Yeah. It becomes like almost 
almost like network of jumping the shark that I yeah. can't imagine anybody in the right mind. Not in the level of like going like when you say like bribe art or whatever. It's like, yeah, obviously there's always going to be a section of the populace that will watch uh, yeah. anything. But, but like you're talking about like number one rated show in America. Yeah, and it's like it. some dude just shouting weird I shit. I know though. TV was weird in the 50s Yeah, but 60s, when you think like... about that, it's like it, it, the number one show in America at the time was fucking like face to face, which was the... Uh, I, the Morrow show. Yeah. Um, I love the, how Morrow gets a little mentioned in here. <laughs> the yeah. Lunch, and it's like, <laughs> this doesn't feel like it's in the same universe as Morrow. Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> um, um, what was your favorite thing? Um, Probably, oh, I don't know, actually. Probably Marsha and the scenes with Marsha and, uh, and uh, what's his character called? Oh, Mel, Mel, Marsha and Mel. Marsha Mel. Yeah, just... Marlene. <laughs> <laughs> Probably those scenes just because of like the two performers and the two characters and the dialogue. It's just everything is perfect and in those scenes, I think. Um, I think, yeah, that's probably my favorite thing. What, what's your favorite thing? Uh, the same with uh, the twirling baton girls. Uh <laughs> Where he meets uh, Betty Lou Fleckum or Fleckum. Fleckum, I think. Uh, Betty Lou Fleckum. Well, like, uh, it reminded me of, like a weird warped version of Field of Dreams or something. <laughs> or like a Field of Dreams had a baby with children of the corn. Uh, this came out. Is, like That's what's so creepy about it is that it's so America. Like, it's so American. It's like disgusting. It's literally like the whole, it just makes you think of like, you know, the Super Bowl and people going out and like, you know, singing the national anthem well like it, it, it did it did uh, call back like a uh, moment and i think that it's a uh, uh, a big choice that they he goes back to new york instead of la which would be the obvious choice if you're in arkansas yeah is the is the american bondage the american forest isolationism that yeah. was uh good old american nazis uh uh thing that i used american first so i think Mm. as a slogan which and then in their rallies had no jews and no dogs uh in a sign outside so that's a link a direct link there yeah um, but and what was your least favorite thing uh the ending <laughs> like it just yeah it, it i mean it's building to that ending and it just when it finally gets there you're like and then whenever like Mel gives his little speech and even like after they've left and your man scream and he's like oh I don't think he's the suicide type and you're like oh Mel no <laughs> like yeah I just I was just expecting it kinda, like it to be like the end of fucking King Kong yeah, hitting yeah. out the building as he goes it kind of I think as well as that Marsha is so she's almost she's almost catatonic yeah you know like for basically the fact that like she hasn't even left the control room like she kind of loses the she loses the agency that agency that she has when she leaves him when he goes to her yeah. hotel room and like you're watching it and you're like oh my god is she gonna leave marcia what the fuck leave like you because at that point i was i was like oh god like is she not gonna leave but then it's like oh no, of course she leaves she's marcia you know and then it's like at the end then it's like the fact that she has to be steered in there by mel and like the fact that she you know she's like oh it was me it was me it was me but she's still like yeah i don't know it's just 
I didn't mind their drive on one way. It just reminded me of Die Hard or something, you know? <laughs> I did like that last shot, though, even though it's, like, ridiculous. Because it made me think of fucking Don Draper as well with, like, Coca-Cola, you know? It's like capitalism and musically like it, you, it almost felt that you needed like some jazz like <laughs> sax kind of like just playing yeah. like you like taxi driver like yeah like it reminded me like the end of chinatown or something that yeah. is like you're done with that and it's like uh, like being cynical movie as this is like yeah. it remi- reminded me in tone in part with chinatown and yeah. conspiracy and stuff like that uh, my least favorite thing, I think, is just the missed opportunities that this movie has. Yeah. And I think that partly is like watching it from this like perspective. But at the t- same time, it's a movie that has gained more fans. Like the only like critic really when I came out that was like truly uh, exceptionally in favor of this movie was Francois Truffaut. Like, all the American critics what? gave him mixed reviews and kind of thing. And Truffaut is like, oh, it's the greatest American movie of the year or whatever. Which is weird that as is hell. That is so weird. <laughs> yeah, because... Like, it's... fucking cahier de cinema. Like, <laughs> that's so weird. But, um, like, yeah, I, I this was panned. Like, not panned, but it was like, panned it, by it, a lot of people. Yeah, but... it was mixed reviews. Yeah. More than, like, even the positive reviews would, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, getting, like, 60, 70, like, yeah. three and a half out of five kind of thing. Can just imagine, like, fucking... Godard going to a press granny and just boarding <laughs> holes in the screen with a cigar but like yeah it's just I think that it is like um to a certain level I, I don't know like the Andy Griffith is good in, in the role but I think that he's a limited actor it's like watching the blue max where your guy that your man that plays like the major in the a team that you watch and you're well, like oh he's not that bad in like, it like see that it makes me think of manhunter and how like your man- william peterson <laughs> yeah but the difference is that manhunter is so unrealistic that like it yeah. makes you like go like well it's not that this is like that like obviously there's a lot this is all it's satire it is like heightened yeah, but like it's a, the rest of the the world is like yeah. a kind of consistent 1950s version of the world kind of thing. Yeah. Like William Peterson and Manhunter perhaps is bad, <laughs> but he fits in the world of that movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I, I think that... that um, Unrealistic Griffiths, 80s. Griffiths, like Griffiths fits into this film, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I disagree. Well, like I, I agree, but like I don't think it's I know what you a mean. bad performance, I mean, but yeah. I don't think... Yeah. But it like altogether, it's kind of, it it's a nearly there movie in all aspects yeah. of it, and it's a very good movie, I think. But uh, it's like when you're saying like a minor work of a like Kazan is like saying, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah. this football team only won three now, <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, I did like a <laughs> demagogue and denim. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I thought was fucking genius. That should be. Um, that sounds like the name of a prog rock band or some yeah. like garage rock or like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fucking playing a heavy metal version of Forever <laughs> in Blue Jeans by Neil Diamond. <laughs> What's the fucking um um Reagan fuck off and uh, oh yeah <laughs> no uh, Brezhnev Reagan Brezhnev Reagan fuck off. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, that was a face in the crowd. Um, so next week's movie is, of course, Ricardo's pick. Uh, so what are you picking? Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. Ah, interesting. Uh, where can they find the soil? 
Uh, they can find us on Twitter at The Rec Game, on Facebook, The Recommendation Game. You can also email us at therecommendationgame at gmail.com and find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. I was Orla McNeilis. And I was Ricardo Lefty Deacon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next week.